Hi. Welcome to the first Bangladeshi podcast where we have renowned guests from all over the world. I'll talk about business, politics, tech, and everything else that's trending worldwide. I'm your host Rafi and let's get this show started. Before diving into details of the Coca-Cola heist, let me give you a brief lesson on intellectual property. Intellectual property rights may apply to a multitude of things. Which one you choose to protect your IP depends on what you are protecting. A slogan for your business, your grandmother's curry recipe, or a new operating system. A trade secret may be a recipe, a formula, technique, or process you don't want anyone to know. According to law firm Louis Roca Rothgerber Christie LLP, there are two types. The first are secrets that for some reason don't fulfill the criteria for being patented. For example, they aren't inventive enough. The second are secrets so hush-hush an inventor does not wish to patent them. The classic example is Coca-Cola, which is not patented. If it had been at the time of its invention in 1886, the formula would have been in the public domain 20 years later as patents are time limited. Now let's get back to the story. At Coca-Cola, Secrecy is the lifeblood of corporate culture. Workers are routinely subjected to security checks. Surveillance cameras cover every corner of the building. Their crown jewel, the original Coke formula, is supposedly locked in a multi-million dollar vault and only two people on earth have access to it. They even fly on separate planes when traveling in case of an accident. So the heist starts with Joya Williams, an employee at Coca-Cola. She worked for three and a half years at Coca-Cola's largest bottling factory before joining corporate in 2005. As the administrative assistant to the global head of marketing, she was trusted with sensitive emails, internal documents, and yet-to-be-released products. But 14 months into her 50,000 a year job, she began to feel she wasn't treated right, and she formulated a plan to stab them in the back. In late 2005, Joya Williams was introduced to a friend of a friend named Edmund Duhenny. A 40-year-old father of three, Edmund has just gotten out of prison on cocaine charges and was looking for work. Joya told him she possessed a lot of highly classified Coca-Cola documents that would likely be worth money to the company's major competitor, Pepsi. But since she signed a non-disclosure agreement, she couldn't deliver the goods herself. She needed a middleman. and Edmund knew just the guy his buddy Ibrahim Dimson he was a young white collar embezzler and a self-proclaimed charmer he'd met in prison under the alias Dirk Ibrahim sent letter in an official Coca-Cola envelope addressed to the senior VP at Pepsi he claimed that he was a high-level Coca-Cola executive with extremely confidential trade secrets two weeks later Ibrahim received a call from a supposed Pepsi employee by the name of Jerry. He was interested and asked Ibrahim for proof that he could deliver. Ibrahim faxed Jerry 14 pages of Coca-Cola documents, almost all marked confidential information, and told Jerry that he needed to wire money to a provided bank account to show that he was a serious partner. Shortly thereafter, he received a transfer of $5,000. And then the real heist began. 
as a trusted middlewoman between top-level executives, Joya Williams procured not just heaps of documents but actual samples of unreleased products as well. Late one night at Coca-Cola headquarters in Atlanta, Joya stuffed her bag with manila folders of classified paperwork and a small vial of secret product under development. Once procured, these artifacts were passed on to Ibrahim, who promptly convinced Jerry to purchase them for $75,000, $30,000 upfront and $45,000 later after tests. In mid-June at Hartsfield-Jackson International Airport in Atlanta, the two met in broad daylight where Ibrahim handed over a duffel bag full of the goods in exchange for a box stuffed with cash. Ibrahim left the airport and got into a car with his partner Edmund and divided up the cash. Edmund got $2,000, Joya Williams got $6,000, and Ibrahim got $22,000. But the real payday came 10 days later when Jerry called Ibrahim and offered $1.5 million for the remaining trade secrets. The trio had struck gold, or so it seemed. See, Jerry wasn't actually a Pepsi executive. He was FBI Special Agent Gerald Reichard, also known as Jerry. Months earlier, when Pepsi initially received the trio's letter, they quickly forwarded it to Coca-Cola and informed that they had a leaker. And then, Coca-Cola had brought in the FBI to conduct an undercover investigation. On July 5, 2006, Joya Williams, Ibrahim Dimson, and Edmund were arrested on charges of wire fraud and unlawfully stealing and selling trade secrets. In a swift trial, Edmund and Ibrahim were handed a two- and five-year prison sentences, respectively. Joya Williams denied the allegations at first, but when big piles of evidence kept coming up against her, she ended up spending eight years in prison. A Pepsi spokesman later said that they did what any responsible company would do. Competition can be fierce, but it must also be fair and legal. It certainly has been fierce for Coca-Cola and Pepsi. They launched seven years apart from one another in the late 19th century and have been locked in decades-long battle for market share. They've taken out full-page newspaper ads against each other, organized large-scale blind taste tests, and staged marketing duels so fierce that the media dubbed them the Cola Wars. But when this heist was taking place, Pepsi didn't think twice about turning down trade secrets, and today's firms might learn something from that. In recent times, a number of high-profile rivals have been accused of trade secret theft. Samsung stole info from fellow chipmaker TSMC, and Facebook was ordered to pay $500 million to a VR company in the face of intellectual property theft charges. At some point, corporations around the world must face the ultimate question of their time. Are they a Dirk or are they a Jerry? Thank you everyone for listening to this episode. If you're interested in being a guest, go to my website and you'll find the process there. If you want me to discuss a certain topic, there's a suggestion form on the website as well. Hope you all like this episode. Peace.